This podcast is produced by EnergeticCity.ca, your only local and independent news in Northeast BC. To support local news and this podcast, go to EnergeticCity.ca slash join to find out more. Another private firm showed that Ukraine exported a record 1.3 million tons of barley in August, and China's barley imports have increased 97% from last year. Chicago December is up 6.5 cents at 5.62. Kansas City December is up 8.5 cents at 4.96. And Minneapolis Spring Wheat is up 4 cents in the December contract at 5.45. That's a look at the ice futures and the Chicago markets for Friday morning, September 18th. For more news from the Markets Farm News team and expert analysis from Bruce Burnett and Mike Jubinville, go to marketsfarm.com. For Markets Farm in Winnipeg, I'm Marlo Glass. There are no such things as small chores on your farm, so you need equipment that works as hard as you do, especially during harvest season. That's where New Holland and Butler Farm Equipment in Fort St. John come in. During New Holland Harvest Days, get terrific deals on equipment to help you work more productively. Save with 0% financing and cashback offers on select tractors, hay tools, and harvesting equipment. Stop by Butler Farm Equipment in Fort St. John today for details. But hurry, Harvest Days end September 30th, 2020. The opinions expressed during this show do not represent those of this station. If you've missed any of this show, you can follow the podcast at energeticcity.ca. Now, an in-depth look at the news and information shaping our community. This is Moose Talks with your host, Doug Craig, on Moose FM. Good morning. Thank you for joining us today. It's fall election season in the air. Maybe. So we're going to do an all-political show today. A little later on, we'll be talking to Trevor Bolin, the leader of the B.C. Conservative Party. He also wears a lot of different hats around town, but today he's the leader of that party. So that coming up in just a bit. To start, though, he is the leader of the opposition at the B.C. Legislature and the leader of the B.C. Liberal Party. It's Andrew Wilkinson, and he joins us now. Thanks for coming on Moose Talks again, Andrew. Great to be here. Excellent. So why don't we start with the spending that the uh, government is doing left and right right now. They announced their economic recovery plan yesterday. I think we've gotten 12, 13 emails this morning of various other announcements that they're putting out in regards to that. Uh, I guess my question is, is there anything about this that you're pleased about so far in this recovery spending that they seem to be doling out so quickly now? Well, the sad thing about this recovery spending is, you know, a quarter of it is just transferred to municipalities. So this is from government to government. Mm -hmm. What's going on in British Columbia is people are hurting and small businesses are hurting. Tourism and hospitality are being just hammered through this COVID um, recession or depression. And there's next to nothing in this package for them. Another uh, 20% of it is to hire contract tracers as health workers. That's a good thing, needs to get done, but it hardly is what you'd call an economic recovery program, and they're pretending that it's all going to be creating jobs. Well, these are temporary jobs as long as the pandemic runs to contact people who might have had been exposed to COVID. So you work through their economic recovery plan, you think, did we wait for six months for this? I mean, Ontario and Alberta put theirs out in June, and here we are three months later, and this is their idea of an economic recovery plan. The tourism industry was looking for six times as much as money as they came up with. And so we got to worry now about our tourism hospitality sectors. You think of all the hotels on Alaska Highway, 
you think of all the community activities that are between basically Prince George and the Yukon border, <clears throat> those businesses may not survive. They may just disappear completely because this package does next to nothing to help them out. The good point there is that getting in this NDP money for small business, you got to show a 70% reduction in revenue, which means you're basically on the edge of bankruptcy. And then you got to show you're viable too. So help me reconcile that one. So we're thinking this is basically setting themselves up for an election. They think this is a pre-election package. They got a nice new slogan that looks like an election kind of slogan. And who's looking for an election here? Certainly not us, certainly not the Green Party. It's John Horgan looking to take advantage of a bump in the opinion polls so that he can try to secure his own job. We're a lot more worried about the 130,000 people who've lost their jobs in hospitality and tourism. All right, and we're going to return to the uh, possible fall election rumors in just a minute. Um, you mentioned the tourism hospitality. Another one I noticed uh, in my read-through of kind of what's been announced and possibly announced, it was sort of a labyrinth to go through that document that was released oh, yesterday. Yeah. Uh, the cultural and entertainment industry has taken a back seat, um, you know, and I can see an argument as to why it should. It's sometimes seen as maybe less important than making sure, you know, that uh, oil and gas forestry workers are, are working and, and staying afloat, right? But uh, this government in that document says they will support hard-hit cultural and arts institutions, but uh, didn't disclose any dollar value to that. So, you know, they've no. said that they're going to support them, but uh, haven't actually said what that support looks like. So in terms of tourism and hospitality and arts and culture, you're a premier, Andrew. I mean, what, what would you be doing differently? Would you be bailing out, uh, essentially, tourism to ensure that they, those institutions are around when things get back to a more normal and people are feeling safe to travel again, perhaps even next year? Well, take the coffee shop in Fort Nelson, take the restaurant in Fort St. John, take the hotel in Dawson Creek. Their revenues have collapsed. And so you got to look at yourself and look at the people who own that place and the people who work there and say, you may be out of a job forever unless you can survive into 2021. And we're all hopeful there'll be a vaccine or a better way of managing COVID by then and that uh, we can get out of the COVID phase and back into the recovery phase. But there isn't going to be any recovery if these organizations have disappeared completely because they became bankrupt or insolvent. So that's the challenge. It's finding the vehicle to keep these businesses going until the good times return. And then when the good times return, talking about a whole marketing program, and think about the Alaska Highway. We're going to have to reach out to people across North America and say, welcome back and show the excitement that exists and traveling all the way up from Prince George through Chetwin, through Dawson Creek. You know you know the route better than I do. Up through Fort St. John, all the way up through Fort Nelson, layer it up to the Yukon border. That's a great tourist opportunity, but it also depends on having something to do when you're there. And if everybody's had to fold up shop and go home, there's not going to be much left. And that's what we all should be worried about. And the NDP seem to be kind of blithely indifferent to it. But I'll tell you, You've got two great MLAs there, and uh, and Mike Bernier in Peace River South, Dawson Creek, and Dan Davies in Peace River North, uh, Fort Nelson, Fort St. John, and all the way up to the Yukon border. Those guys are right on top of this, and they are very much aware of the needs of the local communities and what needs to get done there. <clears throat> Uh, do you support an infrastructure project like widening the Alaska Highway? As and, and is this the perfect time to do it? Because, as you say, there's so many people out of jobs looking for work. Should the government be spending on projects like that that are needed, first of all, but 
you know, maybe they've been putting off because they're like, ah, should we spend? Isn't this the time to do that? Is that something a liberal government would would look into doing is something like widening the Alaska Highway to put people to work and to uh, take care of a big infrastructure project that uh, people have been talking about for years here? Yeah, you know, I've driven, I don't know how many times from the Fort St. John Airport down to Dawson Creek and back again down through the Taylor Bridge and up to Taylor Hill. And you look at that and see the kind of truck traffic going through there, whether they're fracking or whether they're motorhomes. I think this is not a good situation. And your mayors and your MLAs have made that very clear. So when interest rates are as low as they've ever been right now, if you're ever going to do an infrastructure project, it's now. And so it's a very valid thing to talk about an election. Maybe it's time to talk about replacing that two-lane Taylor Bridge that all of you know is a real bottleneck and something that everybody worries about. There's also that issue of the Taylor Hill, and I think you know the, the difficult geography and geology there. That's got to get looked at. That's something that is not acceptable in the longer run, and so we got to figure out how that's going to go and think about that during election as maybe that's a project needs to be addressed too. All right, one last sort of a economic question here. Uh, you know, you spend on something like the infrastructure, it's going to cost lots of money. Uh, Taylor Bridge replacement, the last sort of uh, number I saw was a quarter of a million dollars for that. How do oh, you? Oh, I think it's more than two hundred fifty thousand bucks. I yeah. think you're talking about a lot of millions. Yeah. Um, I, how do you pay for this? Is the liberal government, or is the liberal government going to cut things? Uh, is there extraneous things you think that the NDP are spending on that you don't need? Is it rising taxes? How do you how do you afford that? Yeah, it's going to be a challenge for every government in the Western world because I think we've seen, you know, the U.S. government put out $10,000 U.S. for every single human being in America. I mean, it's a breathtaking amount of money. The Canadian federal government put out $7,000 for every living, breathing Canadian. These are huge amounts of money that have been put into uh, the economy to keep people in work and to keep people in groceries, and that's all got to get paid for. Those are federal issues for the most part, like the CERB and the um, rent supports and all that kind of thing. But in terms of infrastructure investment, we've got to think what's the right stuff to do in British Columbia in the near future to keep people in work. Remember, Site C is not going to go on forever, and I think we all know that the, the gas business has been slow recently. So we've got to think about those opportunities to do something that's really once in a generation. If you're not going to fix the Taylor Bridge in the near future, when are you going to fix it? And it would seem to me it's a very valid thing to discuss in an election campaign. All right. Let's talk about this possible fall election that uh, seems to be not if, but when uh, the premier decides to drop the writ on it. Your message largely in the summertime has been critical of the government's uh, perceived lack of uh, Uh, meaningful action on economic recovery and a comprehensive return to school plan. So it would seem like you might be in favor of an election to say, hey, we we can do better than these guys. Let us show you that we can. However, that's not the messaging. Uh, Lots of it's been more about how irresponsible it seems to do uh, to have an election during a uh, pandemic like this. Do you not want the chance to sort of show that uh, this government is maybe past its own due and it's time to let somebody else take the reins for a bit? Or are you still sort of gung-ho on saying this is foolish time to hold an election? Well, two aspects to that. Uh, the first is our duty to British Columbians is to look out for their health and welfare first and foremost. And the number of cases yesterday in British Columbia adjusting for population was triple what it is in Ontario. 
And yesterday, Ontario put a big clamp down on gatherings in Toronto and Ottawa because they say the case count is going up so fast. British Columbia's case count is undergoing rapid, rapid growth. We've had the maximum number of new cases yesterday ever recorded in BC. And we have the maximum number of active cases ever recorded in BC right now. So we look at that and say, is this a good time to be trying to gather people and get people to line up to go and vote? Obviously not. And it may well be that if this continues to go on this trend line, that the health authorities are going to have to just shut down the election altogether. So why is John Horgan doing this when people's health is at stake, when the economy should be the top priority to keep a government functioning? He's doing it because he saw a bump in the opinion polls and thought he can blow out the Green Party and try to sneak into office for another four years. That's just totally inappropriate. You know, your question is value. Who does that? Well, I have to ask, Andrew, I mean, and it's very speculative, so I apologize for that. But say it came down to a confidence vote and uh, the government needed you to survive. I mean, is this something you guys would do in this situation because you see the needs, the health needs of British Columbians to be vastly more important and the economic recovery than, say, uh, taking a moment to perhaps have a chance at becoming uh, taking government yourself? Yeah, you have to be clear that there will be no confidence vote till next March. Mm-hmm. And there's an extremely strong chance we'll be voting against the government at that time in March of next year. So it's a bit of a moot point. Uh, I'd be very surprised if the NDP decide to have a fall session of the legislature. Mm-hmm. So we're not going to Victoria anytime soon because we beat them up so badly in the summertime for their lack of a plan, their lack of a school plan, their complete indifference to where British Columbia is going that they will not be eager to face the music again in the legislature. So there won't be a confidence vote till next March. So, you know, at that time, I fully expect we'll be voting against them because we do not have confidence in this government. All right. Fair enough, Andrew. Well, we'll have to leave it there for now. But thank you so much for taking some time to uh, talk to us today. And a big shout-out to Mike Brennan and Dawson Creek and Dan Davies in uh, Fort St. John, two fine people who do a great job on behalf of the peace when they're called down to Victoria. It's Andrew Wilkinson, the leader of the B.C. Liberal Party and the leader of the opposition. We'll be right back to talk to Trevor Boland Hi, right after this on Moose Talks. Here to talk to you about fishing you. in the Peace River region, which can be very rewarding. There are several lakes that have been stocked with rainbow or brook trout. These include One Island Lake, Stewart Lake, Boot Lake, Inga Lake, Chenaman Lake, and several others. Most have fairly easy access, but some require you to hike or ATV ride in. Some of these lakes can be fished from the shoreline, but small watercrafts such as belly boats, pontoon boats, or canoes provide better access and fishing opportunities. Fishing with conventional spinning gear using small spoons and spinners is effective. Those fishing with the fly will have success using woolly buggers with a sink tip or full sinking line or by fishing with nymphs, chronomids, or dry flies using a floating line. Single barbless hooks and bait bands are common restrictions, so always check the regulations before you fish and make sure you have a valid fishing license. Don't hesitate to stop at Backcountry for tips from our fishing pro staff. Backcountry, where we help you enjoy the great outdoors. It's the final weekend of the Bricks 10 sale. It's your last chance to get up to 70% off the original price on clearance items in the tents. Check out the incredible deals in every department. Plus, this Saturday and Sunday, get 70% off sofas when you buy the matching love seat or chair. Up to 30% off bedroom and dining furniture. And all major appliances are on sale. Plus, we'll pay the GST. Some exclusions apply. Visit thebrick.com for more info. The Brick, saving you more. 
There's nothing better than enjoying fresh produce in the fall. But what makes fresh produce even better? Fresh local produce. The Fort St. John Farmer's Market is open every Saturday until Thanksgiving at the Seniors Building on 100 Street. And they have a huge selection of fresh fruit and veggies and local meat vendors. While you're there, check out all of the crafts from our local vendors and so much more. Support our local farming community every Saturday from 9 until 3. For more, follow the Fort St. John Farmer's Market on Facebook. Peace Country Delight is happy to announce they are now open for business to serve you better. Open Monday to Thursday from 8 a.m. to 4 p.m. Peace Country Delight has created some safety protocols to keep their staff and customers safe. Peace Country Delight coffee is not just coffee. They carry a wide selection of teas, chocolates, creamers, syrups, gift ideas, and so much more. In fact, they are now carrying reusable masks along with vinyl gloves and lots of sanitizers to keep your office and home safe. They offer free delivery in Fort St. John. On, call 250-261-5507 and follow them on Facebook. Watch this show live on Facebook or download the podcast at energeticcity.ca. Welcome back to Moose Talks. I'm Dub Craig. We're now joined with more election and economic recovery talk by the leader of the B.C. Conservative Party, Trevor Boland. Good morning, uh, Trevor. Thanks so much for doing this with us. Morning, Dub. Thanks for having me. You're very welcome. Well, I think we'll just start with this. What do you think so far of the government's economic recovery plan? You know what, Dub? I, I listened to it yesterday, and, and I mean, it wasn't easy to get on, but once I was able to hear it, and I know there's a lot of comments about that, I, I think there's a couple things at play. I think, number one, uh, it's pretty late in the game to roll out an uh, economic plan when um, businesses are already closing doors, uh, when families are already stressed out about what bill they're able to pay, um, if they're able to stay inside their house now because, you know, um, those restrictions against uh, kicking tenants out got removed. And, and I would like to have seen something months ago, I think, you know, seeing something rolled out for businesses and rolled out for municipalities and, and that end of the thing. It, it's great to, to talk about um, such a great game that could be rolled out, but when nobody's going to qualify for it, no business are going to benefit. I own small businesses. I know what it's like, and, and I wouldn't qualify for those in order to, to buy equipment or, or, you know, in order to hire a lot more staff to get those benefits. We need to start looking at the people that are affected right now and, and start dealing with that. All right. Uh, I wanted to um, mention a few things in here that uh, I saw you kind of tweet about uh, this past week. Uh, the government did, did announce as one small measure, I suppose, that they're going to defer the uh, increase in the carbon tax until April. Not entirely sure when it was supposed to go up, but anyway, uh, I believe you support getting rid of the carbon tax completely. Uh, can you tell us why that is? you think it's just a money-saving measure? Or is there more to it than that? You know, Dub, there's, there's a couple things, and it's a great question, because as we've seen just in the last couple of weeks, reports have come out saying that the the carbon tax itself has not reduced carbon in British Columbia. Um, you'll remember it was it was 11 or 12 years ago that, that BC rolled out its carbon tax, and now to date, we're paying upwards of $0.09 cents a litre additional on fuel. And 
you know, the government can can ask for all the studies they want, and they can ask for all the help in, into why the prices are what they are. You want to do something that's going to benefit British Columbians, drop the carbon tax right now in order to go forward, even if it's not permanent. I, I get that they love those funds coming into general revenue, which they've always been used for, and they've never done anything to benefit um, any sort of a climate change or any sort of a plan. Um, but drop that nine cents, deal with your, your local suppliers, deal with your, your fuel delivery agencies, get them to drop that price at the pump everybody's going to win it's going to affect groceries it's going to affect your everyday living it's going to affect your fuel i mean don't just defer what the companies have to pay because that's not going to benefit anybody outside of, of large corporations let's get back to benefiting people would you then maybe support that uh, carbon tax staying on say large corporations and then somehow re uh jigging it so that it uh small businesses or smaller businesses anyway have that deferment in place well, and, and that's the thing. I mean, we don't have refineries large enough in, in British Columbia to even keep up with the capacity of fuel that's sold. So when you start to look at some of the prices that we have in BC for fuel, and, and I mean, last year was a prime example uh, when we were paying far more than what other regions were, you know, and that's throughout British Columbia. This has been an issue that's been going on for 20 years. Our closest um, plant is in Prince George, very small plant. From there, we're down south. Um, you know, and if, if we started to encourage um, growth. It, we're living in Fort St. John. If you're in, in Fort St. John, if you're in Dawson Creek, if you're in Prince George, you are, you know, that north, you're in the heart of oil and gas country, and, and we do it better than anybody else in the world does. Um, so why not extend those benefits to everybody? All right. Uh, there's no, no clear uh kind of indication of infrastructure spending in the piece or the northeast even offered by the government in their uh, enormous spending package that they they've been announcing today and yesterday uh, though they say they've been studying the taylor bridge replacement project so that's underway we might see or hear something from that in the future but in terms of say something like widening the alaska highway how much of a priority do you put on that and the investment and 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 even putting it out now as i asked uh, andrew earlier uh, to in you know give people jobs to to put some investment at a time when the economy might need the boost that's and that's this is the time to do it dub we've you know wearing my city council hat and i've, I've been there for 13 years we have we have championed hard to get bridges replaced to get our highways doubled especially the alaska highway when you're you know going between dawson creek and, and fort nelson um it isn't easy and, and right now it's right from the border but i think there's something there's a fundamental piece that's missing before that 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 nobody seems to be talking about and that's ensuring that it's british columbians that work on these projects right now is a, a, a an opportune time to ensure that infrastructure gets upgraded but we must make it a benefit for british columbians so working inside of an agreement saskatchewan is a very very similar agreement that that we've looked at here in the North, which is ensuring that it's British Columbia companies that are, are getting the jobs, getting the bids, and it's British Columbians that are working. All right. I want to talk a bit about the uh, possible uh, election call that may be forthcoming in the next uh, coming weeks or what have you. You're in a unique position because you're the leader of a uh, provincial party, uh, but you don't have a seat in the legislature as of yet. Uh, I want to know your thoughts on this because an election would essentially give you a job, a job in the legislature that you don't have yet. So are you excited at the possibility of an early election or do you agree with the liberals that perhaps uh, this is an irresponsible time to do that and we should all be focusing on economic recovery? I think I think you're right in your last statement that it is. We need to take politics out of BC right now. And, and yes, you know what, in, in the North, 
Um, and in other key uh, ridings that are, are uh, not NDP um, covered throughout the province, we'd love to see an election and we'd love to see more representation. And, and that's what we based our entire party on for the Conservatives of British Columbia is, is ensuring that every community gets representation. It doesn't stop in the South or it's not just for the West or there's not just benefits for the East. Everybody needs to have that representation. Now is not the time. You know what? The time for an election is going to come. The time where, you know, the BC Conservatives are, are now called the Conservative Party of British Columbia are going to get a chance to stake a sign in yards and get a chance to have a say as to how our platforms roll out and, and vary from everybody else. But that's not this time. Put politics aside, put people in the front line, and ensure that they're taken care of. We, we're going to have an election soon enough, Dub. It doesn't need to be any sooner. All right. Now, that being said, uh, as we mentioned earlier, there's been lots of hints that it could be happening. Again, uh, the Premier's numbers, uh, polling numbers, uh, are very favourable towards him and the party right now. He might do it... Uh, it looks entirely for uh, political purposes. Uh, how prepared are you and the Conservative Party of British Columbia to face election? Do you have candidates? Uh, are you looking uh, to be ready for one if, if it happens to happen here? Yeah, Dove, I appreciate you asking that. So we do, you know, we've spent the last month and a little bit uh, working on different ridings, different associations throughout the province. Um, we have started to gain a lot of attraction um, as our policies and platforms start to become more relevant, especially, um, you know, in, in the in the province of BC right now when, when looking towards high unemployment, um, job losses, the fact that, you know, a lot of these mega projects that were supposed to be well underway aren't. Um, so, you know, we're going to continue to field great candidates. Um, I'm not a leader that's just about putting um, you know a name on a ballot and, and a bum in a seat I'm, I'm the type of leader that wants to ensure that it's people who believe in what our party stands for and are able to stand up in their communities not just when they're in Victoria or not just when they're when the legislation is sitting but be able to actually represent 365 days a year not just during election time all right so I guess that means you know it if if it came down to it, you'd rather have quality than quantity. So if you're you don't have someone running in every riding necessarily in this snap election, you're you're fine with this the kind of the slate you have, eh? Oh, definitely. And you know, it's not about you know I don't I don't want to take over government. I don't want to overthrow government. I want to make sure that communities are represented. I want to make sure that families have a voice in government. And I think part of the problem when you, when you look at, at politics across Canada, and it's not just British Columbia, but it starts to become the same mundane process. We need to put people back in power so that we can ensure that, that you know, bylaws, legislations, the, the rules that are made in the House are actually benefiting people of, of British Columbia. And, and that's what we're about, whether that's five candidates or whether that's 50 candidates. Um, it, it's never been a numbered up. It's, it's been about doing what needs to be done all right well we'll have to leave it there uh, for now trevor but uh thank you so much for taking a few minutes to talk to us about this today i appreciate you having me on the show and i hope you have a great weekend absolutely that's trevor Bolin, the leader of the conservative party of bc we'll be right back to wrap things up here on moose talks the moose fm block party presented by ford city chrysler is back for 2020 but with a twist it's the socially distant block party inside the Lido Theater. This year, the block party will feature two amazing street performers entertaining the entire family for one day only on Saturday, September 26th. That sounds like fun! 
you'll get to see the great Balonzo and Flying Bob perform thanks to the city of Fort St. John on the Burger King stage at the Lido Theater. Each show will be limited to 50 people, but we'll be doing five shows in just one day. Book your free seats right now at energetictickets.ca. For more details about our COVID-19 safety plan, please visit moosefmblockparty.ca. The Moose FM Block Party, presented by Fort City Chrysler, Saturday, September 26th at the Lido Theater. Supported in part by the city of Fort St. John, Burger King, M&M Food Mart, Rip Shoe Renew, and Windsor Plywood. Get all the details about the event at moosefmblockparty.ca. If you're looking for hassle-free internet services, call the Peace Region Internet Society today. With coverage throughout most of the Peace, PRIS can get you connected quickly without the hassle of contracts or bundles. Visit PRIS.ca or call 1-800-768-3311 for more information. Now, a sports booster's update. East Passage Skating Club is taking registrations for the 2020 and 2021 season. Due to COVID-19 restrictions, their programs will all have caps on them this year and will be on a first-come, first-served basis. Contact Amanda Thomas, 250-262-4659 for more information or the website at eastpassage.ca. Send us your sports info, sports at moosefm.ca or by fax, 263-9749. Sports Boosters on Moose FM. Our community first. This is Moose Talks with Dub Craig on Moose FM. Our thanks to B.C. Liberal Party leader Andrew Wilkinson and Conservative Party of B.C. leader Trevor Bolin for joining us today. I did want to remind you that the Fort St. John Women's Resource Society is taking donations right now outside of no frills. They're in need of many items. The shelves uh, looking a little bare right now as it's a demanding time of year. Uh, they're looking for kids' lunch items, easy dinners like soup and craft dinner, and winter clothing. So please stop by, see their table. It'll be outside there before 2 p.m. at no frills. You can talk to them, find out what you can give. Lots of great sales on at no frills uh, so on exactly the things they need. So please give what you can. That does it for this episode of Moose Talks. Adam Rayburn's at the producer. I'm Dub Craig. Have a great weekend. Join us next Friday at 10 a.m. for another episode of Moose Talks, a weekly talk show about Fort St. John and the North Peace. Energetic Country. If I call you an angel, ain't you one of them girls? Ask you to dance, you say no, just to see how far I'll go. Your song comes on and your eyes close, that's when I know, yeah. You got your heart on lockdown, got a wall I gotta knock down. Kinda wanna do a shot now, come on now. You one of them girls that ain't trying to meet nobody, you're just here for the I'm wrong, then stop me. You wanted him girls that ain't handing out your number. You like to make us wonder. You like to make us wonder. If you're one of them girls, cause I'm one of them boys. So trade this whole world. Yeah. For one of them girls.
likes to act all quiet Sexy, not even trying Yeah, you know I ain't lying Damn right, you're one of them girls Broke every heart in your hometown On the day you rolled out Got them all wishing on stars now Have I found one of them girls That ain't trying to meet nobody You're just here for the party If I'm wrong, then stop me You're one of them girls
me with a little sunshine and whiskey. Come on, turn this one up. Let's shake these old pine boards and make that dark, 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 rock. Come see what you're missing. Got that lakeside sunshine, fishing disposition, pumping waters through the cottage, and we're ready to roll. Ain't no sign to get there. You just follow the smoke. Do it with the dark rocks. Moose FM. I'm your bud, the dub. Today on the show, we've been talking about your favorite type of ice cream. Do you prefer hard serve or soft serve? And so far, it's pretty divided on the Moose FM Facebook page. Some people saying they like that soft, tasty goodness that I prefer. Other people say they like the hard serve better. Now, I will give this... uh, too hard serve you generally can get more flavors that way and that's where you get the really interesting flavors in general right uh bruce texted and he says he prefers hard serve ice cream because he loves the tiger flavor you know the one that's got like black licorice and like orange or orange crush flavored uh, ice cream mixed together <laughs> i mean i gotta say bruce i haven't had tiger flavored ice cream since i was a kid that's Wow, what a throwback. Anyway, let me know what you think right now on the Moose FM Facebook page. Which do you prefer, hard serve ice cream or soft serve? Join fitness instructor Julie for boot camp every Monday morning from the Centennial Park stage. This will be a bodyweight program with no equipment. The class is free for the public. All you have to do is bring your own mat or towel, a water bottle, and dress in comfortable active wear. Participants will be required to be spaced out appropriately. Questions? Visit City of Fort St. John Recreation page on Facebook and the city's website at fortstjohn.ca. Due to the COVID-19 pandemic, the City of Fort St. John has increased garbage collection to weekly on your regular collection day. Recycling will continue as usual. Be aware pickup times may vary due to the extra pickups. Remember to keep your bins at least three feet apart and ensure the lids are closed. Learn more at fortstjohn.ca under garbage and recycling. Be a part is being in this together. Support your favorite local shops and restaurants with the Moose Market at moosefm.ca and get it delivered right to your door. Do you need to update your wardrobe? Refresh your wardrobe today and save money. Get $50 to spend at Borealis Clothing here in Fort St. John for only $40. Shop local without leaving your own couch with the Moose Market at moosefm.ca. Thanks for listening to this energeticcity.ca podcast. Energeticcity.ca is your only local and independent news in Northeast BC. To help keep us independent and to support this podcast, go to energeticcity.ca slash join.